Well, uh, I want to say freedom is one of those things that we love here in the United States of America. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. Uh, and I just want to say real quickly, uh, to, if you're a veteran, would you stand up for a second uh, in the service and let us acknowledge you here? Wow, look at that. Look how many veterans we got. Amen. Amen. I hope some of those that are actually teaching our kids up there uh, right now can hear us uh, up there. Uh, I'm the son of a Vietnam vet, grandson of, of two World War II veterans. And uh, people join the military, and they do those things because they care about freedom. Uh, we sing of freedom here in our country. We, we wave the, the flags around, and we do whatever we can to be free. The worst thing in the world that we can think of is for someone to be a slave. Our country has seen its own history with that. And uh, my hope is fully repented of that in every way, shape, and form. And we look back on that and we go, that's just wrong. That's not right. There's something fundamentally wrong about it. Now, I want you to take that. And I, I want you to understand something, that God thinks there's something wrong with that kind of slavery, but also spiritual slavery as well. That when we look at people who claim to be free, free to drink as much as they want, have as much sex as they want, take as many drugs as they want. In their mind, they may think they're free. I think somewhere deep down, they know they're not. Because whenever you're a slave to something, you can't stop. And I, as a person who wasn't necessarily just born, you know, a Christian, most of you were not, many of you are new to, very new to the faith, you know the power of this simple gospel. That's the crux of the book of Galatians. That Jesus Christ was sent by God because God didn't want us to be slaves. He sent him to set us free. Free from our sins. Free to live and walk by the Spirit. Free to not have to live the kind of life that we would live without him. And so there's all sorts of phony freedoms out there. There's all sorts of bogus claims to freedom out there. But what Galatians is going to, Paul, the apostle, through the book of Galatians, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to say, is, okay, if you want to be free, there's really only one way. And freedom comes only through Christ. When the Bible uses the word freedom, it means something far more profound than the kinds of freedoms we have. Freedom to do whatever I want, or that kind of weird gooey freedom, you know, uh, uh, eagles soaring and... Uh, uh, you know, somebody riding on horseback through a flower field and the wind blowing through their hair or, uh, you know, whatever. Some guy running through a, a field with puppy dogs or whatever. That's not freedom. That feels free. It might even be a snapshot of what freedom could feel like. But freedom means that nothing has control of me except, except the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Paul spins... All this time pointing us back to this mindfulness of the state we live in when we know that our sins are forgiven, that our life has real purpose, that our eternity is secure. We can live and die fearlessly and freely only because of Christ. Paul spends six marvelous chapters in the book of Galatians 
explaining what God means by freedom. I love Galatians 5.1. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. What a passage. It's for freedom. God loves freedom. So much so that he sent Christ to set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Martin Luther once said in the book of Galatians, he said, Galatians is my own epistle. I've betrothed myself to her. It is my wife. That man loves Galatians. Merrill Tenney pointed out, few books have had a more profound influence on the history of mankind than has this small tract, for such it should be called. Christianity might have been just one more Jewish sect, and the thought of the Western world might have been entirely pagan had it never been written. Galatians has been called the short Romans because it had some, a lot of the same themes, and it was written earlier. It's one of the earliest written uh, books of the New Testament, that, James. you got a few Mark fans out there that think maybe it was Mark. But it's one of the, certainly one of the very first books of the New Testament written. Now, when I was a card-carrying legalist, and I'm a recovering legalist is how I'll put it, um, I didn't care for it much because it always came across to me as very loosey-goosey. Uh, it came across as lowering the bar, lowering the standards of holiness. And there was some point in time where I had to ask myself the question, who sets the bar? And if God's setting the bar, who am I to think that my standard is higher? And it pointed me back to the book of Galatians to realize that the, the meta message of the whole thing is that the gospel is one of those things that when you add to it, you take away from it. It's enough. The gospel is enough. And to add to it is to take away from it. Now, most people would say, I don't take anything away from the gospel. The Bible would say, amen. But the book of Galatians about what happens when you add to it, that a part of God's standard is re- adhering relentlessly to the pure gospel of grace. To say, it's the gospel and is to say heresy. It's not Jesus and, it's Jesus period in the eyes of Scripture. Galatians was what helped me understand that that gospel that preaches Jesus and is not gospel at all. That the true gospel that's taught in the Scriptures is Jesus period. Now, that then shapes the way that I live my life. But there is a difference between living yourself, living by the law and thinking that that means you have a firm grasp on the gospel versus not. Some of you may have grown up in a family where everybody in your family does a particular thing. They speak a particular language. Everybody played the piano. Everybody was in the military. Everybody was involved in football somehow, right? Well, okay, if you're the one that isn't, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not part of the family. It just means you didn't play football means you didn't play the piano. It means you chose a different life path than to go into the military, but it doesn't make you less than. Galatians is about what happens when somebody says, oh great, I'm so glad you're a Christian. Now all you have to do is be circumcised. Then you'll be a real Christian. All you have to do is join the army. Then you'll really be part of the family you really want to be part of this family, you're going to learn to fill in the blank. That's what's going on at Galatia. Now, Paul, remember, those of you who've been in the faith a while know this. Those of you who are not, Paul used to be a Pharisee, knew the law, very zealous for it, 
I mean, Pharisees, he could tell you book, chapter, and verse, uh, books, chapters, and verses that didn't even exist. I'm talking about the guy that knows, like, the, the, down to the, the, the most minute tax code of the faith that God himself never wrote, but just heaping laws upon laws upon laws upon laws, and he knew all of those things. And now he's coming back to them and saying, hey, listen, you now, sisters and brothers, you live by the law of the spirit of life in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you have clothed yourself with Christ. And all that stuff that other people try to bind on you is garbage. It's rubbish. It's to add on to something that doesn't need to be added to. And when you add to it, it becomes a problem. An utter blasphemy, in fact. Now, Paul's going to go on. He's going to say the law was given to us to watch over us until we reached maturity. It was there to guide us like, like a parent is to say, don't run into the street, don't stick a fork into a light socket, and those kind of things. But it got you to a point where now you don't walk around as somebody who, who is concerned all the time about not just me, but everybody else that's going to stick a fork in a light socket. No difference between a an experienced driver. I've got a 16-year-old daughter who's attempting to drive. She has a license the state gave her, but she's out there, you know, pray for everybody. She's out there driving. This one is 15, for God's sake. She's going to be uh, getting her license soon. I know. I can't even see over the wheel, but that's all right. She's going to have... So here we are. We've got these two kids doing it. Now, what's the difference between them and me? Is it that both of us, I know what side the gas pedal's on, and they don't? Is it that I know where the brake is, and they don't? Is it that I know the speed limit, and they don't? No, they know all of that stuff. The difference is experience. I know how the car feels. I know how the road is. I know when I get to an intersection, and I see a certain set of cars and stoplights, I know what can happen. But I don't sit around going, okay, wait, 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 wait. The gas pedal's on the right, right? And, and then there's a, a break. And then, and, then, and then I don't have to think about it. I'm living my life. I'm driving by the Spirit, if you will. I'm, 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 just, I'm just driving. See, that's how you drive as a free person. Right? Now, when you're, when you're a baby driver, you need to focus on all those things. And that's Paul's point. He says, that's what the law is for. You teach them, eat your vegetables, drink your milk, whatever. Okay, but at some point, when you grow up, you don't get more into law. You get less into law. It's less focus on the speed limit, the brake pedals, and all that stuff. You, you live by the Spirit. You, as you grow, you get to where it's just the air you breathe. Walking in Christ is the air you breathe. You do the right thing because the gospel has shaped you so profoundly that the question it's, it's, you don't even have to stop and ask it. It's just the air you breathe. If Christ did this for me, because Christ did this for me, what should I do? And that answer is like second nature. It's like breathing. And you walk by the Spirit. So I'm not sitting around going, oh, no. What should I do in this particular case? Or whatever. I don't have to rack my brain. The gospel shapes me that profoundly. Now, Galatians is written... Somewhere around 49, 50, somewhere in there, A.D., to help fairly new Christians avoid the influence of those who are trying to get the law 
and Christian freedom kind of melded together. They were trying to convince them that you needed to be circumcised in order to be, in effect, a real Christian. So Paul is trying to help them understand that nothing they do makes them more or less worthy in the sight of God. That it's all about the sacrifice of Jesus on their behalf and their faith in Christ. And because of that, because of the freedom that they now walk in, that's what guides their steps. So he'll say, don't, get, don't go back into slavery. Galatians 1, 1 to 10. This letter, he says, is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letters to the churches of Galatia. So stop there for a second. He's saying, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle, God appointed me to do this, and all your brothers and sisters around are sending this letter to you. Okay, so he's, there's the weight of what he's about to say. Verse 3, may God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Now you can underline that and put it to memory, because right there, that's his little summation of the gospel. Verse 6. Now things get tense. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God. See, he doesn't see it as just a little doctrinal piece. He says, sees it as turning away from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You were following a different way that pretends to be good news, but is not good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. <laughs> but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I wouldn't be Christ's servant. All right, so a few little nuggets here, and then the sermon is yours. The gospel doesn't change. Amen. He says, you're deserting God for a different gospel. These are not little issues that Christians can just kind of disagree about. The Galatians seem to be kind of questioning the gospel itself. Paul is being extremely frank with them. He's saying, listen, you can't just simply add on to it. It's, it's not like a, a cable plan where you get it and it's like, okay, well, let's add HBO and, and we'll add ESPN and we'll add these other things. He says, no, 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 that's not how the gospel is. If law was enough, there's no need for Jesus in the first place. It's altogether insufficient to the task. That if you want freedom in Christ, you've got it in Christ. But when you start adding to it, now you have problems. We've been given a gospel, sisters and brothers, that cannot be messed with. And while most of us would admit that nothing should be taken away from the gospel, Galatians reminds us that being devoted to its core teaching and not allowing people to add to it is just as important. That Jesus died so that people could live freely. And that means free from sin, but Paul has a lot more in mind here, and we'll, we'll get to that as the series progresses. Second, 
Pleasing God is far greater. I couldn't figure out how to fit this on a slide, so I put three greater than signs. There you go. (laughs) Pleasing God is greater, greater, greater than pleasing people. Now, why would anybody be tempted to accept circumcision or anything else? Am I now trying to please men, he asks? Because we love to fit in. That if you promised somebody you'd fit in, you could be one of the cool kids. You just did this, too. Right? I mean, how many of you smoked cigarettes in high school to fit in? You can fit in. You don't have to. You can stand there and be left out. And you did it. Same thing happens at church. I mean, just add little things to it. Well, you got to do that and you got to go do this. You got to do that and you got to do this. Believe this and believe this and believe this and. And when you do it, you have to be careful of why you're doing it. There are some times where innocently people are just looking to people for guidance. And they get that. But there is that desire to fit in. And Paul says, listen, the reason I'm saying this to you as strongly as I am is because I don't care if I please other people. I don't care. I care about pleasing God. And what you're doing now and what they're teaching you is a perversion of the gospel in the sight of God. So I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to say my piece on this because that's what I need to do as an apostle of the gospel. So sometimes in the life of a church, some people who come to Christ, then turn to those who have a little bit more time in the faith for mentoring and guidance on living in the faith. Indispensable. If you're new to the faith, get around people. That's why we have growth groups and other things for you to get near other Christians who have experience in seasoning. Okay? But when the more mature Christian understands the gospel, that's beautiful. But if they're a legalist, or they've slipped over into modern-day Judaizing, to use Paul's language later in Galatians, they can lead the new believer astray, portraying Jesus simply as a, essentially a, a more benevolent slave master, rather than a gracious liberator who now leads us by his spirit. When Paul says that he made himself a slave slash servant, it could be translated either way in verse 10 there, he's speaking of his complete submission to the lordship of Christ, not to the law and the rules that go beyond what's taught in the scriptures. He's the one, Jesus, who sets captives free and adopts them as sons and daughters and brings us into his family. I mean, we get a massive promotion. This is coming in chapter 3, 2 and 3. He says, look, you were slaves to your sin. Now, guess what? You're not just a a person. God has made you his children. He's brought you into his family. So now you inherit everything that goes with the kingdom. What a mind-blowing thought that is. Oh, my goodness. We'll get there. November 2009. Marked the 20th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. A historic event. Uh, Many of you remember it. For almost 30 years, the Berlin Wall separated these two populations of red deer. I've got a picture of one of them here on a slide. That one right there is Ahornia. That's her name. Now, this... uh, when the wall falls, this is Ahornia here, you got these two populations of deer on each side of the wall. Wall drops, and you would expect that they would go and mingle, maybe even mate, have more, more deer. But they wouldn't cross over. 
No matter what they did, they built a big stinking nature preserve. I mean, they did everything that if you're a deer, you would want. They created a deer paradise, trying to get them to go across. Now, this deer, Ahornia, the reason is she's now kind of the mother hen among the deers and was not even alive when the Berlin Wall was up. And they still won't cross. So this isn't like the fishbowl where the fish are, you know, on each side and they drop the wall and they just won't move. She wasn't even alive. And so one of the experts says, of, uh, this is a filmmaker about this set of deer. Tom, I'm not even going to try his last name. <laughs> According to Tom, the wall in the head is still there. For some Christians, the wall in the head is still there. There are some Christians that still haven't grasped that it's God's will for them to live in freedom. That it's God's will that the wall between them and he be removed so that they can enjoy life as they were supposed to live it in absolute full communion with God. There are some Christians who are still in that better to be safe than sorry mindset. Paul says the gospel has everything to do with those who are saved, and it's the standard by which our acts uh, and every act and attitude must be judged. So it's not that God says to people, live however you want, as long as you bear rational assent to Christ. That's not it at all. It's allowing what Christ did for you to shape the way that you live, as opposed to adding to the gospel and simply saying, yeah, if you just play the piano, sure, you can show up and fit in at Thanksgiving. No, 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 no. You belong at God's table because He's the host, and he said, you're welcome at his table. Therefore, now that you're at the table, you want to play the piano, fine. But the reason you're at the table is not because of the piano. It's because you've been bought with the same blood that I have. And now, even though we were all slaves to our sin, now we've been brought and adopted into the family of God, and we've become heirs of all of his promises. And because of that now, because of what he's done now, guess what? How should I live? If he did that for me, how should I treat others? If he did that for me, what, what should I do with my life? What should I do with my money, with my time? How should I treat others? How should I, what should my posture be toward the church that Christ, the one who died for me, says is his bride? What should my posture be? So it's not that, now that's different, right, than saying, hey, if you want to go to heaven, you better go to church. See the difference? One is, you must play the piano to be a legit part of the family, or even to show up to Thanksgiving. Bring your sheep music, or you don't get to come. And the other is, no, 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 no. It's more a picture of Thanksgiving where everybody's around the table, and, and Grandma hobbles over to the piano and sits down and plays all the songs that everybody loves, and everybody sings along and has a good time, rejoicing in being together. Third, Jesus is the great liberator. That's the big snapshot of Jesus. In by using slave and free language throughout the entire book, by using the word freedom as a primary descriptor for what it means to live out the gospel, Paul reminds us that Jesus died so we could be free. We are, our justification and our acceptability is based not on our adherence to law or a set of human standards. We are justified by grace. We live by his spirit. And against life in the spirit, he'll say there is no law. 
Paul introduces to Jesus a liberator to us, Galatians 5.1. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, let me talk to my fellow legalists for a second. They did an experiment, University of Newcastle in England. They were doing a, one of these uh, behavioral experiments, and they had an honesty box. They had the coffee pot there, and drinks, and they had an honesty box. You know what those are? If not, you probably never put into one. Shame on you. But an honesty box is where they give you a suggested donation price, and they kind of just trust you're going to do the right thing. You go up and take a coffee. They might say a dollar, you know. Nobody's there to watch. You just you either put the dollar in or you don't. And sometimes maybe you go, hey, you know, I'll put $2 in next time, and you do it. Well, they didn't experiment. They put the same prices, and one week it would be the same prices with a, a little bouquet of flowers at the top. The next week they put the same prices with a little pair of eyeballs on top. <laughs> Anybody want to guess which weeks turned out to be the ones where three times a 3x factor of money given during the weeks with the eyeballs over instead of the flowers. And that, sisters and brothers, is why people love legalism. Because we have this deep thirst to see people do the right thing. And sometimes we don't think we'll do the right thing if somebody isn't watching us. So we feel like we need that. And so we feel like our job is not to be preachers of the gospel who help set people free. We think our role is to be the eyeballs over the honesty box. And that's what Galatians is against. He's saying, listen, he'll say in chapter 6, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. God's eyes are better than ours. He sees what's going on, and he doesn't need a lot of help from me. To go ahead and say, you know, I hope that uh, Sister So-and-so, I'm just going to pick a name, but I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Sister So-and-so or Brother So-and-so pulls it together. I was out in the front parking lot. They got here at 10-11. Service starts at 10. I'm glad Jesus didn't show up 11 minutes late to die for his sin. See what I mean? <laughs> Eyes over the box, right? Eyes over the box. Right? Yeah, exactly. Ooh, I think judgment just entered the room. Everybody's like, half of y'all got here at 10-11. It's all right. <laughs> it's a good thing when you show up to churches and what your salvation's based on, or we'd all be in trouble in this church. But that's okay. All right? It's not okay to be late. We should be on time. But you understand the difference between saying, Oh, hey, your justification, your, your spot in the family of God is based on that. After all, we know the most spiritual people are the people who are here at 8 o'clock. So, yeah, you might be at the table of God in glory, but you're going to be down in the ghetto part at the table. <laughs> We're going to be eating the good stuff up here. You're going to get the leftovers down at that end of the table. Yeah, the gospel says all the results that are needed to justify us in the eyes of God were gained through the offering of Christ's life on the cross. And we shall not pervert the gospel into the gospel end. In Galatians 1, he wants his listeners as well as us today to know that to add on to the gospel is a perversion. It's a bit like marrying a second woman and thinking it'll make you a better husband. Or worshiping a second God and thinking it makes you a better worshiper. 
We all understand there are some things that when you add to them, it takes away from them. The gospel is one of those things. In chapter 3, which to me is one of the great chapters in all the Bible, Paul's going to let us know that when we're baptized, we clothe ourselves with Christ and that his spirit is the king, the president, the governor, the guider, the best friend to the Christian. That's the gospel, period. And we don't get to choose who's in the family photo, nor where they stand. Our job is to remember what makes somebody part of the family and whose family it is. And then to say, okay, if that's the gospel, then what does that mean for others? Or even away from myself, outward, the mission side. I, uh, I, was, I used to do this long drive from Dallas to Abilene when I was doing my doctoral degree. Big empty stretch of I-20. You could just fly. It was great. I could leave. I, I had to be there in like an hour 45. It's about a three-hour drive, and I could still make it as long as there were no disturbances on there, right? Ignore that, my daughters. You could really fly, okay? <laughs> so one day I remember driving down there, and I was kind of in a rush to get there, and uh, I had preached that morning. I was really tired, and so I was trying to get there as fast as I could because I wanted to take a nap. I was exhausted, and I got I, got, I was driving down the freeway, and somewhere, I don't know, an hour outside of Fort Worth, traffic starts to slow down. And I look, I kind of slow down, and I look, and there was a little family of turtles <laughs> that had kind of wandered out onto the, the highway. Now, I give animals a lot of grief from the stage, okay? You guys know about Lucy, my former dog, <laughs> Buddy the cat, which you may not even remember, but Buddy didn't make it long. Um, he, he perished... Uh, inside our house. Animals uh, are, have a checkered history in our house. I love turtles. I dig turtles. They look wise. <laughs> if you ever stare a turtle in the face, they look like they have the answers, you know, like little little Yodas and shells, <laughs> shriveled up green things, right? Well, so there's this little family of turtles, baby turtles, and then a big mama or daddy turtle, and the mom or the dad is over on its back, and the little guys are kind of around it, right? Traffic stops. There you go. <laughs> right? And so somebody sees it, pulls over. All of traffic stops. They come out, and everybody, of course, everybody was like, oh, of course. I mean, of course we stop. We don't, we don't, nobody wants to hurt a turtle. Turtles are awesome. Right? Possums, who cares, right? If I hit the gas. <laughs> turtles, though, we're stopping. We like turtles. So the little dude's on his back. Everybody comes, cars stop, they get out, they turn him over. Right? They take the little family. You're supposed to, I guess, pick them up and put them in the direction they're heading, on the, like the other side of the highway. So that's what they did. And off they went in a turtle utopia of some kind. Right? I did think to myself, I go, isn't it amazing that our whole, all of traffic stopped for a turtle? And yet, we won't stop much for people who are living in slavery. I mean, really. Because the gospel says, when I was on my back, couldn't do anything. 
absolutely helpless. Jesus set me free. He turned me right side up. Got me out of harm's way permanently. He redeemed me. And yet, sometimes we're willing to do so little for people, friends we know. The reason that churches matter more than ever before you can read news stories that say hey, churches don't matter anymore and they're passe or whatever. I go, we're supposed to be the people who stop. Amen. Does that make sense? We're supposed to be the ones who stop. When you see your friends, when you see people here even in the body <laughs> who've been flipped over on their back, you stop. Because Jesus stopped for you, right? Somebody stopped. Somebody said, hey, Hey, everybody stop for a second. And they helped you get right. They kept you safe when destruction was your future. So consider this an invitation to all of us. This book, Galatians, blows your mind. It's absolutely mind-boggling incredible. At the power of the gospel. And I didn't even realize that when I was being a legalist and saying it had to be the gospel, and what I was saying was the gospel's not enough. I'm saying it's not enough. And God takes that rather personal, as it turns out. Paul will get totally off the chain in this book. He's going to say, you know, those these people, that are just talking about circumcision. I wish they'd just cut the whole thing off. He says that. I wish they would castrate themselves. Well, all right then. You know, Paul, <laughs> simmer down. You know. Uh, But it's important. You see? So my, my prayer for you and us this morning. We're going to gather around the table here of the Lord. Let those who are going to be passing the elements take their spots. Um, if you're here today and you're still living in slavery to your sins, I hope that this might be a day of freedom for you. If you're a recovering legalist like myself and you need, oh, to throw away the sheep music that you keep handing out to people before they can sit down at the table, then burn it this morning. Go up, find somebody who's new in the faith, throw your arms around them, tell them it's good to see you, brother or sister. And in all things, may we remember the Lord Jesus Christ, whose body and blood we remember now in the symbol of the Lord's Supper. That while we were on our backs, he came and rescued us. He came to our rescue. And so we now preach that gospel as far and wide as we can. When you were addicted, when you were out of control, when you were just sinning like there really was no tomorrow, God gave you a future and an eternity. So let's remember him now.